Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. A lot to get to uh, tonight, a lot of uh, baseball to get to tonight. We're going to be talking Cleveland Guardians um and uh, all of that not, not the male roller derby team yes not the male roller derby team a lot um that is uh going on there um as far as that's concerned um we are also, also going to talk about the mlb trade deadline uh we're going to be getting into a lot of that it's obviously it's going to a sore subject for me a good subject for b scott yeah. um and then yeah I was, yeah i was gonna say they didn't the red sox didn't do a whole lot and then um we're also going to get into some uh, NBA uh, draft and um, and uh, free agency talks as well. Uh, Carter's two in the chat says Carson Wentz should come first. We'll get to that maybe in next week's podcast. Is you know what? I mean, just a real quick hit on it. I mean, yeah. week he had one. Surgery. He had week, surgery today. Right. Week one is seven weeks away, so he could still theoretically be back for week one. Guys, so. guess what? Let's honestly let's just hope for the twelve weeks because the longer he's out the less likely the Colts will have to give Philadelphia a first round draft pick. I True. Think. Yeah. Something like, like 70% of snaps. 75%, so, yeah. 70, he, he needs to play 74% of the snaps for us to keep our first round. Pick. I mean, and, and if he goes the whole 12 weeks, I mean, that's like a quarter of the season. So you're almost there. So, okay. We're rooting for the 12 weeks, boys. Let's go. Um. Oh my gosh. So yeah, a lot to get to tonight. Uh, but first of all, B Scott, how was your weekend, man? It was good. Took one last little family vacation before the summer comes to an end as my wife heads back to work. School's getting back into session. So, yeah, took a long weekend with the family and headed up to the lake. How about you? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Just kind of relaxed, got settled in at the new place. So, you know, it's uh, it's going well. Everything's going pretty superbly. And, you know, we look at it here, uh, you know, we talked about it, you know, that we're going to get to this and let's go ahead and lead off. We're going to talk about it last week, but because of the whole uh, conference realignment stuff, we decided to push it back to this week um, because it still holds some significance as we, uh, you know, we talked about all the trades that were made at the deadline. One thing that happened was the Cleveland baseball team traded in their old name for a new name. It is the Cleveland Guardians um, the Cleveland Guardians named uh, they they uh, it will take effect after the 2021 season. They surveyed 4,000 uh, fans and went through 14 rounds of vetting. The name refers to the Guardians of Traffic, uh, carved into the Hope Memorial Bridge outside of Progressive Field. And I mean, you know, yawn. I, I, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like I, I know, like right now, it kind of seems weird because you know it's a new name. Like I because when I originally wrote this. And I think I'm still going to do it, but I originally debated, you know, this week whether or not I was going to like go like those go with those other team names, and, like suggest them to you and see if you'd like them better. Um, but honestly, like the more I say it, the more I've gotten used to it, and that's all it really takes. Like I remember when New Orleans uh, changed their name to Pelicans, and I was like, that sounds really dumb. And then like the more that I got used to it, the more that I you know became a part of you know everyday kind of thing. You know, then I was like, okay, well. All right, now it seems, um, you know, now now I'm used to it and it's fine. I think yeah, that's. I don't, the, think it's, I don't think it's a weird name. I think the the reasoning behind the name. I is do. Boring. I do the like the traffic 
Oh, yeah, and Guardians oh, of the Tra- Guardians of the Road Rage. If they would Guardians oh, of the Galaxy, I mean, with like a Star Lord helmet-looking thing for the logo, you know. Could you imagine if like they had done like the Cleveland Road Rage or just the Cleveland Rage? <laughs> like, like that, that how come we couldn't have done the Cleveland Rocks? I mean, you're getting kind of close to Rockies there, and like that could uh, be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in. Cleveland. Well, I I know, but also mountains are rocks, and mountains are in are in Colorado. Well, also, it's so paying, I mean, it's paying homage to the old Drew Carey show, where the opening song was Cleveland now, Rocks. You could have been, rocks. you could have been like the Cleveland bass, because then it has kind of a double meaning, like baseball like baseball a bass uh, a bass guitar i don't know like you could because i don't think they would they you want to go straight with cleveland rocks because like, like i said it's too close to rockies yeah i, I mean um I, I mean i do like the guardians i i'm not gonna say i don't like it i just i think the the reasoning behind the name of it is so boring and you know Refer yeah. to the Guardians of the Traffic. Oh, come on. I'd rather I would have made it a little bit cooler and said it refers to the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> our our yeah. mascot is Star Lord. Our mascot is Rocket Raccoon and Groot. <laughs> the Cleveland Groots. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, yeah. You know, I think it's funny. 14 rounds of vetting and not a single round of it thought, hey, let's type in uh ClevelandGuardians.com just to see if who owns it or if it's even owned. They would have come up with knowing that a uh, male roller derby team already owns the name and the social media handles for Cleveland Guardians. You know, just uh, kind of, you know, surprising that nobody did that in 14 rounds of vetting. And the 4,000 people they interviewed, nobody said, hey, that's very similar to this team. Yeah, I mean, like the Cleveland Guardians roller derby team is actually taking them to court should try to fight now obviously they know they're gonna lose but i mean that's the thing i, I think their way and that's gonna be a lot of money for this little roller derby team that hasn't been in action for two years but yeah i think that's um, ultimately what it is like they're they like cleveland wasn't worried about the name because they're like well i mean they're just gonna take the, the guardians roller derby team is just gonna take the money it's not like they're going to win. It's not like they're going to keep the name. Because could you imagine? Actually, you know what? I'm kind of rooting for that. Could you imagine if the Cleveland Guardians roller derby team won that whole thing? And then they're like, okay, not only do we get <laughs> we get to keep the name, but they don't get to keep the money. But then they do get to like basically force Cleveland into like a, a swift couldn't, kind of action there. Couldn't they? Have, they should have gone with the name the Cleveland Believers. Because for so long, like with Believeland, yeah, you could have gone with. I mean, I know it kind of sounds bad. You could gone could have gone with like the Cleveland witnesses. You're uh, like to the whole LeBron thing. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like criminal stuff. So you probably don't want to go too close to that. But for the, I mean, for a good month and a half, LeBron James was a Cleveland Indians fan. (laughs) True, true. So yeah, I mean. It's not awful. I think the biggest gripe and uh, Dusty in the chat, you know, mentioned it a little bit earlier. The the logo for the Guardians uh, looks like a five year old draw it. I mean, drew it. I mean, it looks it's like straight the logo out of- to the. I, I don't know why it takes me back to an eighties movie called The Adventures of Babysitting, and <laughs> the little girl wears this Viking helmet, 
the entire time that's got wings off of it. And that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of this little girl's helmet in Adventures of Babysitting. Yeah, it, it it's it looks like it's straight out of like a create a team template. Mm-hmm. And like if you were to do that or like NFL Europe or something like that, like you that's what, what it, the G and the actual the wings look like a little bit to me. What? The old um, Anaheim Angels logo. Yeah, it does kind of look like it. Yeah, it kind of does. Angels in the outfield. Um. Yeah, it it definitely doesn't look good. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like something out of like Super Mario. Um. Too. Like, there's a lot of like memes. The the spelled out Guardians. It kind of is similar to the, the Indians. Yeah, looking at like the jerseys and stuff, the jerseys aren't like half bad. They're pretty similar. Um, but yeah, the logo is really bad. I, you know, like I said, I, I do like how they went with um, something that does pay homage to the city a little bit. Now, there's a couple names that like I thought of that might be a little bit better, like or sound a little bit more official. Like you could have been like, for instance, if we're going to refer to movies, the Cleveland Wild in a reference to Wild Thing, that yeah. would have been really cool. Uh, you could have been like, I typed in, you know, guardians into the good old, like the Soros, uh, you know, dot com and, you know, Sentinels defenders would have also been like similar names to guardians that sound a little bit tougher, a little bit better. Um, and then I also thought about the Cleveland harvestman. Um, it's, it's a synonym for arachnid, uh, referring to the Cleveland spiders. Cause I, I mean, I don't know if I would have liked the Cleveland spiders, like if they would have went that route, but if they would have went with something similar, um, then I think it would have been, it would have been cool. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I I wouldn't really like anything with spiders. I hate spiders. I mean, me too. But uh, the Cleveland arachnids. Uh, Arachnophobia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of whatever. Uh, Like I said, I'm getting more used to the name as we, as we go out. I just hope, you know, through, some sort of system they kind of redo the logo i I can see a redesign of the logo coming very quickly because that seems to be like the one part that like people seem to have the most issue with yeah i can see that but at the same time that would be them then essentially saying oh yeah we screwed up true but you know, but also, I mean, you know, it gets people used to the idea. And then when they come out with a new logo, that's really sick. Then people will get really excited and kind of forget about the whole name change thing. So I kind of, I'm not saying they intentionally did it that way, but like, um, but like I'm saying that, like, I, I mean, they're going to come out with a new logo there. It's going to be sick and fans are going to get excited. So I think that's, that's coming sooner rather than later. Yeah. Before we get into the MLB trade uh, trade deadline conversation, we first want to thank our friends of the show, uh, Anchor FM, um, and uh, which is you know the platform that the podcast uh, goes out over, um, and then as well as uh, Eat Lunch and Board Game, which is a podcast that my cousin does. Um, so go check that out uh, wherever podcasts can be heard as well. So thank you uh, for all of your guys' support there. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. 
I want to remind you guys that you can follow us on Twitter at Crash Course FM. You can like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. You can go to our YouTube channel, uh, 3C Media on YouTube. Uh, that's where you can not only catch this podcast if you don't watch us live, but you can also uh, catch the MCT podcast. Those guys have been killing it. Like I looked at our past 10. Now, I know we took some hiatuses in there, but I looked at our past 10, like top 10, uh, like our top 10 um you know videos over the last like you know few months and a lot of them are mct podcast videos those guys are crushing it they're doing an amazing job um so make sure you go check out the mct podcast um on youtube uh remember that you can watch us every week we're going to be streaming now every monday at twitch.tv slash craig crash a new logo is coming so you guys don't have to always see my goofy burger logo um uh, every time that I post it, um, you know, onto the uh, 3C Media page. Um, but, uh, you know, keep on lookout for that if you want to interact with us in chat. We've already had a couple of people, Dusty, Carter's. Uh, Carter's asking us if Jacoby Brissett is still the backup. He is not. He is in Miami. Um, and then uh, we do have Sam Ellinger and Jason Beeson. So hopefully one of the two uh, can step up if Wentz has to uh, miss some time. And then... Uh, we also remember you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course podcast. So let's go ahead and get into MLB trade deadline conversation. Um, it is it was one of the craziest deadlines in recent memory. Breaking it down, first of all, I mean, let's get you know the elephant out of the room here. The biggest trade. Um, you know, of the entire deadline, and that is the Dodgers acquiring starting pitcher Max Scherzer and shortstop Trey Turner from the Nationals uh, for a couple of. I, I want to I know how did the, the Dodgers, after pulling off trades of, you know, some other really getting Mookie Betts well, and, <laughs> and how, Trevor Bauer. Well, because they- the Dodgers have essentially said, we don't care. You, you can it's again, I referenced it last week and I'll bring it up this week. Uh, that meme of Woody Harrelson with a huge team where he's, where he's crying and then dabbing his tears with uh, $100 bills. I mean, that's what LA is doing. They're like, look, guys, m- you know, yeah, we're in the luxury tax. Yeah, we our payroll is like double probably the entire leagues. But you know what? They can, you know, they're going to just watch us win championships. How do they still have the, the prospects to pull off trades like this? Well, because for one... Basically say... Eh, we well, so is if that's the case, like these other teams that were connected, how did they not? It is confusing from the Washington side of things, not necessarily because of Scherzer, because Scherzer, as, as amazing as he is, and as much as I love Max Scherzer, I will never say a bad thing about him. I mean, unless he does something really bad. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's 36 years old, last year of his contract. That one's not like they weren't going to get a big haul for him because he was a true rental. Trey Turner, though, commanded uh, Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray, which are two of the biggest prospects in the Dodgers organization. So the Dodgers have done a good job of of still building up a solid farm system. Um, And the Nationals get some good prospects back. It's just very confusing because you would have thought that the that the plan was to build around Trey Turner and Juan Soto. But now it's just kind of Juan Soto because there's no more Rendon. There's no more. I mean, you've got Ryan Zimmerman probably for another year or two before he retires. You've got, you know, now you got rid of Jan Gomes. You got rid of Josh Harrison. Like that roster was getting older. Um, You still have Patrick Corbin, but he struggled. Like 
they they needed a change, but it's kind of, it's kind of weird that they went full force into let's get rid of Trey Turner. Um, you know, especially when they were, they're not really, I mean, yeah, they haven't had that crazy winning streak that they did in 2019 that got them into the playoffs and eventually the world series, but like they were still in the NL East hunt. So that's like the weirdest part of it. it I mean, I mean, I guess kudos to kudos to Washington because they didn't, you know, make some weird, like, Oh God, we got to do something. We, you know, whatever. And then just do some random trades to get themselves back in it. They didn't do what the Braves did, which is basically just what well, do, do they play the outfield? Get them, get them, bring them in. Um, you know, like they didn't do any like desperation move. They're like, you know what? Even if we make it, we're probably not winning the world series. So let's just go ahead get what we can. And I mean, they got a pretty good haul back for, uh, for Scherzer and Turner. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know. I was, I was, yes, I was a little disappointed like, to see the rich essentially get richer. Yeah. I mean, Dodgers. it's just like, okay, I guess now it almost feels like we're just gonna, we just need to hand them the trophy. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, to this be is exact, this is exactly what we said about the Nets when they acquired. I know it's, I know, ba- uh, you know, basketball but is different. At least, you know, the Dodgers are, are the defending champs. Yeah. True. You know? Very true. So that's why, you know, it's easier to say that about them. Whereas the Nets, it was kind of like, they're just kind of throwing darts at a dartboard, trying to get something going. Yeah. Um, now the White Sox, they get uh, Craig Kimbrell from the club, the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs acquire second baseman Nick Madrigal and right and and uh, relief pitcher Cody Hewer. The Sox also acquired Ryan Tapera from the Cubs earlier this week. Um, the Giants acquire third baseman Chris Bryant from the Cubs. Oh, the um, Red Sox did also acquire Austin Davis from the Pirates for Michael yeah. Davis. Yeah, that's an interesting move. Um, you have the Blue Jays acquiring uh, Jose Barrios from the Twins. Uh, the Yankees traded for outfielder Joey Gallo from the Rangers. First baseman Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs. The Mets traded for Javi Baez and Trevor Williams from the Cubs. The Red Sox acquired uh, Kyle Schwarber from the Nationals. The uh, Starling Marte from the Marlins, Jan Gomes and uh, Josh Harrison from the Nationals. They are headed to Oakland. The Padres earlier on in the deadline had acquired second baseman uh, Adam Frazier from the Pirates. They also got Daniel Hudson from the Nationals. The Phillies added Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy, a couple of arms to their pitching staff. And the Brewers added Eduardo Escobar from the Brewers. I know those aren't weren't all like right at the deadline, but they were um, – they were basically, uh, you know, throughout the course of the trade season and the and the craziness that is that. So, um, you know, looking at the reaction, we already talked about um, this a little bit, but the Dodgers are, you know, like we talked about, a video game team. Like they're like they're basically playing MLB the Show franchise mode. If you just like, like, okay, CPU like agrees to every trade. Okay, there we go. Um, there are, are no you know, there's no luxury tax, no like contract stuff to deal with. All right, cool. That's what, and we're also just going to put them all on our team before we even have to mess with any of that. And we can retain them every season. Um, Like that's pretty much what they're doing. I mean, you know, look just across the board. They're just incredible. I don't know what their bullpen situation looks like, but it almost doesn't matter. I mean, your pitching staff adds Max Scherzer to Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller. Uh, Trey Turner rounds out an infield of Will Smith, Max Muncie, Corey Seager, and Justin Turner. And Oh, by the way, in the outfield, they have Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts. 
Um, you know, <laughs> and, and you know, it's just it's an it's an NLR it's an NLR uh, it's an NL All Star team is basically what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and the, you know, I think the Padres and Giants kind of missed the boat at not adding a little bit more. Like, obviously, they couldn't have added what the Dodgers added. But they definitely didn't add the the pieces I think are necessary for them to keep up with the Dodgers. I understand that the Giants are in the lead in the NL West. You know why change things? But I mean, you know, it, it they they still could have added a piece or two more than just. I mean, I know they got Chris Bryant, but they could have added something on the pitching side of things. They could have added something on the you know another bat maybe like something in the bullpen something and then the, for the padres to like ha- be rumored to get scherzer and then not even come away with a starting pitcher yes they added daniel hudson that's big to the bullpen uh they added yet another middle infielder i feel like they have a ton of those but to n- walk away with no starting pitcher not walk away with kyle gibson or barrios or somebody to just be like hey we got another arm even if it was a true rental like even if they would have gotten you know, I'm just trying to think of somebody who would have been a true rental, but you know, whoever they would have gotten, if they would have just gotten somebody else in that rotation, I think they would have been in good shape. Um, the, the topic that everyone probably wants me to talk about, it is an end of the end of an era in Chicago. Um, it was expected, but I'm still disappointed about it. Um, now, you know, in retrospect, like I'm not, I'm not as you know broken up as maybe I should be just because I kind of saw this happening. Like you kind of, you, you kind of, see what the Ricketts have done in the past and kind of know that the writing was on the wall. Um, The Ricketts though. I mean, look, it's a championship team and not all eventually all championship teams get disassembled. I mean, at least with the Cubs, they were able to hang on to it for a little bit longer. I mean, look, the nationals, they're they're just a few years removed from a, world a world championship and they hit the blow up button right yeah, yeah. for so. sure um now i you know you look at i because I, I was looking at the cubs uh like prospects like the current prospect list and you can kind of like you can kind of get behind what like the direction the franchise is going as far as like the farm system is concerned like they do they their farm system is pretty well replenished i can get behind um, you know, an in a future infield, if they get, decide to keep Wilson Contreras, which that seems to be the piece they're willing to build around, if they can, um, you know, if they can build around Wilson Contreras and then an infield of like David Bodie, Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner, uh, Patrick Wisdom, and then Ian Happ, maybe a little bit at third, you know, an outfield that has Patrick Wisdom or excuse me, Ian Happ. And then uh, also you get Pete Crow Armstrong from the Mets. Like there's, you know, they've got some good guys in the, uh, in the farm system as well. I can't, I, the name is slipping my memory right now. The guy in the uh, futures game that would, that absolutely went nuts. It's a Cubs prospect. Um, I mean, they've got some good guys coming up and I think it kind of, you know, it, it's kind of been shown this year that as long as the Ricketts are in charge, expect to see household names ship before they hit free agency. I mean, this is kind of going to be the cycle. I don't expect it to be as long as a rebuild is like, you know, Theo took over in 2011 and then this is 2021. Like I don't expect it to be that. I mean, I guess technically it could be that big of a window. Um, You know, it could be 2021 to 2031. Um, But, uh, you know, a Jay Hay comes off the books after 2023, Jason Hayward. And I think, that that's when you're going to see the Cubs kind of go back into being aggressive win now mode. 
Um, so I don't think the Cubs are going to be a hundred loss bad these next few years, but obviously I don't know if they're going to necessarily be in playoff contention. Now the NL central is not where it was in 2011. Cause in 2011, you had the reds and Cardinals who were amazing. You had the pirates who were up and coming and you had the brewers who were, you know, occasionally, you know, solid year in and year out. So, I mean, you know, this, this time around you have the brewers who are still good, but the Cardinals pirates, Reds are not what they were 10 years ago. So that's a little bit of a, of a shot in the arm that you can kind of maybe make something happen uh, sooner rather than later if you're a Cubs fan. But that is nothing to take away from the White Sox because I think the White Sox made a big step forward. You know, I don't mean to overshadow that by, you know, talking about, you know, the team in Chicago that actually is trying to win now. Um, and, you know, they added Cesar uh, Hernandez. In addition to Kimberl and Tapera, they have a great, start, you know, great starting staff a bolstered bullpen. And once they get Eloy and Luis Robert back, I mean, so the Chicago White Sox are going to be incredible. They are. I mean, it is nice. Uh, I, I guess, I don't know. I guess if you're a, a Cubs fan, it, it, it hurts to see the White Sox doing well, but I don't know. I feel like in Chicago, it would be great if both teams were good at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they kind of were last year, but yeah, I mean, we're talking like, let's talk like contenders, <laughs> legit contenders. Right. Um, it has been, it's, I guess it has been fun watching this, the, the white Sox build up, you know, it seems like every year it's like, Oh, is this the year that the white Sox finally break through? Oh, nope. They're not quite there, but you can still see they're coming. But now to see them actually make the moves of a true contender is kind of cool to see now. Unfortunately, the White Sox just don't have the same following as the Cubs do. No. Uh, I know it. Like, it's pretty cheap to get a ticket to the <laughs> to a White Sox game, even when they're really good. But um, I guess it, the Cubs were such big sellers that to even move one of their own pieces to the to the South Side. That yeah, that one kind of stings. Um, I know a lot of Red Sox fans were uh, kind of hoping for a trade to get Kimbrel back, but then they all remembered how Kimbrel was in the postseason, and they were like, "Is that really what we want?" And so, I mean, he found it again a little bit with the Cubs, though. I mean, he because yeah, he because his first his first year when he re-signed with the Cubs or when he signed with the Cubs in 2019, um, he was not the greatest. Um, and then over the course of the last like year and a half, like the COVID year, and then this year, like he's been better. So, I mean, yeah. I think he found it a little bit. And I, I know all the moves with the, uh, the Cubs. Um, the, I know the Red Sox were really – Red Sox fans were really hoping for Rizzo. Um, one, because he used to be in the Red Sox system. And because he actually plays first base. Yeah, that's what they need. They need a first base. <laughs> Instead, they just went out and got a guy that looks like he should play first base. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's – and also for Red Sox, it, it's, it hurts to see such a good guy in Anthony Rizzo playing for the evil Yankees. Yeah. Uh, the evil empire. And he's number 48. So it's kind of gross. Like, I don't know why, like yeah. that just looks wrong. Like, who, like I, I mean, I would imagine 44 is retired for some reason. I don't know for the Yankees. Probably like, I don't probably. know. Who, I don't know who that would be, but like the name doesn't jump off the page, but I'm sure yeah. it is somebody yeah it's just you know it, it, as a I, you know as 
I kind of look as the, at the Cubs as my NL team, just because they're so similar to the Red Sox and growing up close proximity to the Cubs and everything. Um, it, it was kind of a bummer to see these names get traded, not just because of how talented they were, um, but just of who they were as people and what they meant to the community in Chicago and everything. And, you know, I guess that's why seeing Rizzo go to the Yankees is kind of just feels dirty. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Chris, Bryant, Chris Bryant to the Giants. I was kind of like, that's a good move. I like that move for, for him. That's a good move for him. And then uh, Javi to the Mets. I was like, eh. I, you can at least get behind the Mets just because they're not the Yankees. Well, I'm behind the tandem of Lindor and Baez up the middle. Um, yeah. the, you know, the, I know they wanted to play together, so it'll be kind of fun to watch them. Uh, it was fun watching them when they were teammates in the uh, World Baseball Classic last time around. So um, I am excited for that. I, I read somewhere, everybody, I read, I think it was on Bleach Report or Twitter. It was on Twitter. Somebody said, it's funny that we look at the Yankees and the Mets the Yankees actually have a better record than the Mets, but we look at the Yankees this season and say, what a major disappointment. But then we look at the Mets and go, wow, they are playing really good baseball. That, what a great story. But yet the Yankees have a better record. I think it's also just because of the way we view these teams as well. Yeah. It's kind of funny that Anthony Rizzo got traded from one fourth place team to another. Yeah. Like, cause aren't the Yankees in fourth place? So, <laughs> this is the coolest stat out of the entire trade. I think it was like the first time in 70 years that a trio of players um, all got, when they all got traded, their very first at bat yeah. uh, with their new team was a home run. Each of them. Chris Bryant, home run. Anthony Rizzo, home run. Javi Baez, home run. That's pretty cool. There was... It was something. It was another addition onto the stat. I can't remember, but it was. It was a, a you know kind of fun to see for all non-Cubs fans, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I still want them to do well. So even if you know, even if they're not playing for my team, well. well, then that's on you. But I, but I, I want, well, that means the Yankees are doing well. <laughs> yeah. No so yeah, I'm not. I I'm a I'm not opposed to seeing them do well. I even Kimbrel. I don't care if Kimbrel Kimbrel can throw a lockdown eighth or ninth inning, and then Liam Hendricks can blow it in the ninth. That's that's what I want. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and get into hot or cold. That's where I will say a take, and then B Scott and I will tell you whether that's a hot take or a cold take. Um, for I, mean, I wanted to do one for uh, each division post trade deadline. Um, so hot or cold, the Red Sox did enough at the deadline to contend for the American League pennant. For me, that's a cold take. They acquired Kyle Schwarber from the Nationals, who's been on the IL since July 2nd. So it's been over a month now, um, you know, since he has been sent to the IL. I mean, before that, he was on a very big tear. He was, you know, one of the best players in baseball, you know, hitting home runs left and right. Uh, but he has been hurt. And before that big tear, he was having a very lackluster season uh, for the Washington Nationals, hitting home runs as we expect, but not doing much else. Um, the Red Sox want to play him at first base. Of all the things you could do with Kyle Schwarber, 
Why are you making him play first base? By the way, he he does have one inning at first base in his career. That was back in 2017 against the Brewers. This was in the like the tenth inning of a game that the Cubs ended up winning. So it was probably just like as like a fifth infielder he came in. Um, so he does he's played first base for an inning in his career. I don't know how many career innings he has, uh, but for that one inning he was a first baseman. Um, but other than that, I mean. You know, the Kyle Schwarber, I mean, Kyle Schwarber is a good get, but when he's not going to be a dear DH because that's JD Martinez, you are wanting to, you'd rather, you'd rather play him at first base as opposed to Kike Hernandez, Marlon Gonzalez, you know, somebody else who can play first base who's a little bit more experienced. I mean, it's just odd. It's, it's an odd thing. And I think they could have definitely added more. Uh, they did acquire Hansel Robles from the Twins. Um, but over the last month, he has a 5.52 ERA, um, and for the season, he uh, his ERA is nearing five. Um, so they added a injured outfielder that you're going to try and shoehorn into first base, and you added a relief pitcher who is not pitching well um, at the moment. And then what you're relying on uh, as far as uh, starting pitching help is Chris Sale, fresh off of Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, yeah. You know, obviously, Chris Sale is Chris Sale. You want to make sure and get him. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Red Sox have the seventh best ERA in the AL. Uh, so they have a middling rotation. Um, and so a fa- a failing to acquire a starting pitcher, I think, is a big miss there. Um, I think if they would have, you know, we talked about, you know, obviously Scherzer was on the table. It looks like that, you know, they would have had to give up a lot for Scherzer. Um, although I think a lot of that what was given up there was because of Trey Turner, but um, you know, just not getting so again, it's kind of like with the Padres, not getting someone is a mistake. Even if, I mean, I'm not saying like, Oh, they should have gotten, you know, Trevor Williams from the Cubs or they should have gotten, you know, Adbert Alize or somebody from the Cubs. Like, I'm not saying just anybody would have worked, but like if they would have just, you know, heck, knock on the door and see what like the Orioles wanted for Matt Harvey. Probably bad example, but I'm just saying like somebody, you know what I mean? Like they should have asked or even the, the Marlins. I don't know if they have you know, a, a veteran starting pitcher on their in their rotation anymore. But just you, you get the idea. Um, the the oh. Diamondbacks from Madison Bumgarner, uh, Herman Marquez from the Rockies. Like they 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 could have gotten one of those guys, I feel like. Um, and they, that would have made them, um, you know, better. But missing out on a starting pitcher, I think, is, you know, a big swing and a miss. And I think that, it, you know, keeps them from being a true contender in the AL East or in the AL. Yeah, I agree. This was totally, a, this is definitely a cold take. They did not do enough to contend for the pennant. And obviously it shows by just getting swept by the Rays right out, out, off of the trade deadline. Um, to be honest, the move of acquiring Schwarber is some, it, it felt very New York Yankees-esque of just going out and getting a bat just to have a bat. You know, it didn't make much sense. You, you needed a first baseman. And then to see the first baseman that you were really working to get, get ultimately shipped to your division rival, not just your division rival, but your ultimate rival. Um, and you kind of, I felt like they settled. And, uh, when are we going to learn? I, 
It feels like we've already had bad luck with one former Indiana Hoosier first baseman and Sam Travis. So we're going to go with another one that never has never played first base. Like, come on this. I, I, I don't like I, it. I saw I heard I when I saw when I heard John Boy reacting to uh the trades, he's he said he like feels like the Yankees getting Rizzo and the Red Sox getting Schwarber was kind of a defensive move for both both teams because Schwarber would have been a better fit for the Yankees and um a, a Rizzo would have been a better fit for the Red Sox. Oh, so it seems like both teams are playing like defense against each yeah, other. Essentially that's what it was, and that that's what happens a lot of time with these two teams, even in free agency. Like the Yankees will just sign somebody just so they won't sign with the Red Sox. Um, I don't know, but not going out and getting a starting pitcher. That's huge because starting pitching is becoming abysmal again. And to keep rolling it, running it back out there with the same guys. It's just, you don't have a clear cut ACE right now with Chris sale out and Chris sales coming off of an outing last night where he just got rocked. So it's not like he's, I mean, I guess he didn't get truly rocked, but he, the hits that he gave up were big hits. Um, so I don't know. It's, it, it feels like this team is going to fall out of postseason contention. If, if I had to be honest, I see, I don't think it's going to be that bad, but it definitely, well, they're not going to win. They're definitely not winning the pennant after a poor, poor showing against the Rays. That's not happening. I mean, here in the last few games, they they the pitching has been so bad they just cannot overcome it. And to not, I mean, okay, I guess yeah. You, we brought in Austin Davis. We we did some things for our bullpen. Really? Did you? Did you? No. I yeah. Know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think w- this was just kind of a situation where they didn't want because this was a, this has been a surprise year. They didn't want to, you know, go too off course. Right. Uh, bec- I, I mean, I guess I, that is true. Um, like, it, like Kyle, getting Kyle Schwarber and Hansel Robles are like fan service. Like, hey, look, we're trying when really like oh you know our big offseason acquisition was getting you know kike hernandez and marwin gonzalez and adam Montavino. so i mean at the same time though you look at the farm system and they just don't have the big starting pitching prospects there right jay groom is it and he's been he he can't stay healthy and it's like okay we're never going to see him so but you are going to see tanner hauk now emerging which is good I mean, he's probably the best pitcher in the rotation right now, um, at least until Sale gets back. And who knows, he could still be after when Sale gets back. Um, speaking of which, did you see the John Boy breakdown of one of Hauk's pitches and the movement on it? No, I need to watch. I need to catch up on those. It's sick. This really? I mean, ball is like one direction, one direction, down, and whoop, shoots back up. It's like... <laughs> How? <laughs> okay, Doctor Strange, or okay, uh, Wandavision. Yeah. <laughs> like what? How is that ball moving like that? It looked like something you would see in a cartoon with somebody back there with a magnet moving the ball around. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh yeah, I have to check that out. That's wild. So yeah, I think I think getting Chris Sale back, Tanner Hawk's going to be big. Like they're still going to make the the playoffs, 
but I don't know how far they're going to get in the and playoffs. Look, okay, you think about it back in 2000, back in the last time they made the world, they won the world series. It was Chris sale and David price had a good postseason. But really beyond that, it wasn't, there wasn't much else pitching and it was kind of pitching by platoon. So hey, don't least- forget Nate Eovaldi game two, even though they lost six innings out of the six innings out of the bullpen basically had a start too hot this year. No, Edwin, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has been not great. Yeah. Richards, they just need to designate him. Get, get Nick done. Pavetta. He's, Nick, but, he's been struggling as of late too, though. Right, right. So, uh, so moving on, you know, we talk about AL contenders. Let's go ahead and move on to the White Sox. Are the White Sox the White Sox are AL favorites for me? That's a hot take. I know. See, it, it's kind of funny. I, I debated whether or not like what I wanted to do as far as asking a question for the AL Central, and I was like, well, like all the questions seem like obvious, but they're also going to be obvious. If we talk about the Dodgers too, so I was like, well, might as well just throw it in then. Um, so. Uh, you know, because it seems like I, I, you know, I we might be a little late to the party here. I know I wasn't. I was a little reluctant to, you know, go with the White Sox as being AL contenders because I was like, well, I mean, they still like I, I, I still don't one hundred percent. I'm not bought in yet. But I mean, you know what they were able to do. I mean, they're, they're the second best pitching staff in the AL in terms of ERA, a three six four. They have the third, the third best in the AL in WHIP, which is walks per innings pit, walks and hits per innings pitched. Lance Lynn is in Cy Young contention, and oh by the way, they also have uh, Giolito and Rodon, who have no hitters in the last calendar year. Then you add Kimbrel and Tapera to the mix in the bullpen with Liam Hendricks, and that pitching staff is loaded. I mean, you know, we talk about you know the AL Central, a team in the AL Central, if you all remember uh had a bullpen sort of like this when the royals had like kelvin herrera wade davis uh uh, greg holland like you're you have these three amazing starting pitchers and then those games are even shorter because uh if you can manage to get to giolito rodon or lynn oh well by the way here comes kimbrell here comes liam hendricks who's was the al all-star closer here comes carlos rodon who has no hitter this year um just insane and then the offense is fourth in ops uh, which combines like slugging percentage and average uh, in the AL. Uh, they add Cesar Hernandez, um, who fills in for Nick Madrigal there. He's got a little bit more pop than Madrigal. Um, and then once Luis Robert and um, Eloy Jimenez get healthy and the lineup really gets going, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I think they're better than the Astros. Like, I think this is the best team in the AL. And I would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see White Sox Dodgers in the World Series. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I'm going to say this is just a lukewarm take because I still feel like the Astros right now are more of a favorite. I mean, at the same time, the Rays look really good right now as well. You can never really count them out. For some reason, the Rays are always just one of those teams that is there. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say lukewarm, though, just because I, I still feel like it's it, Houston is ultimately going to be the team that could represent. Um, I need to see a little bit more from the White Sox for after these moves have been made to see how these moves gel into their system. Um, but so I'm not ready to anoint them as the favorite quite yet, but they're on their way. And I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that is, that's fair. Um, the Houston Astros, speaking of the Astros, uh, the next question is the Houston Astros had a better trade deadline than the Oakland A's. 
you know, I really wanted to say cold because I really, you know, I, I'm staying, I'm staying strong with my pick of the Oakland A's winning the AL West. Uh, but it's looking less and less likely as the Astros get better. And I kind of, you know, broke it down this way. The Astros added four relievers at the deadline. That was their big weakness. They got Kendall Graveman from the Mariners, who's having a career year, 0.79 ERA and 10 saves. Jimmy Garcia, they got from the Marlins, uh, 3.62 ERA and 15 saves. They also added Phil Maton and Rafael Montero, who've been lackluster, but they're still arms. You still need innings. Um, the Athletics added... Jan Gomes, who's having a solid year at catcher, uh, will be the backup catcher to Sean Murphy. You add, you add Josh Harrison, who's having a resurgent year, hitting 294. He's kind of a utility player, and he'll be a utility man. Um, but the big get was center fielder Starling Marte from the Marlins. On the season, he's hitting 298 with seven homers and 23 uh, stolen bases. That moves Loriano to right field, which I think is the wrong move. I think you should keep Loriano in center and move Marte to left to right. But regardless... Um, you know, that's why I'm not a major league manager. Um, now, so like, you know, so you have these two pretty solid deadlines by these two teams. Um, and I think it's more of a warm take that I say it's hot for the Astros because it's just so darn close between you know what these teams needed and what these teams, you know, still are to this day. Um, cause the Astros are second in OPS. The A's are eighth in, in the AL and OPS. Um, Marte is better than any A's player uh, in terms of OPS th this season, so he would be inserted and be the, the team leader in OPS this year. Um, the A's and Astros are the third best pitching, third and fourth best pitching staffs, respectively, in the AL. The Astros' bullpen is 16th in the league. The A's uh, are 10th in the in Major League Baseball in bullpen ERA. Um, the additions of Graveman, Garcia, uh, adding on to Ryan Presley, I think are enough to give the Astros kind of that leapfrog into third uh, as far as best pitching staff in the AL. Um, and so I think, you know, while the A's made the gap narrower as far as like the, the differences in hitting ability, the difference between offenses, like the Astros have a better offense. The A's gave the, got the tools to become a better offense, but I don't think they got the tools to be a better offense than the Astros. Whereas the Astros, and A's both have similar pitching stats, but the addition of all these bullpen arms puts the Astros above the A's. So now I think the Astros have the better pitching staff and the better uh, offense. And so that's why I think this deadline, as much as I want to lean A's because that was my preseason pick, and I think they did have a good deadline, that's why I think the Astros' uh, deadline moves were just a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the Astros did have a better deadline, which isn't surprising because when you look at the Oakland A's history, and how that team is the front office runs that team um being buyers isn't necessarily the oakland a's way um so this is to see that they made some they made some good moves still but it's and the moves that they made are a little bit more than you typically see from them and which is a good thing in my opinion it shows you know some change going on there um but yeah, I still agree. I think the a the Astros still had a better trade deadline, especially considering um, how much better their pitching staff got um, in the bullpen. And that, to me, that's that's where going this time of year, honestly, is where that's where you need to have a, a solid core is in your relievers. And they they got better there. Props yep. to them. Good job. Yeah. 
All right, switching gears over to the National League, the deadline was a disappointment for the NL East. And originally, I wanted to say, again, it's kind of like the other thing, because writing these questions, I know, uh, you know, I don't don't have any sympathy for me, but they are hard because I have my own uh, opinions in mind when I write them. And then I'm like, okay, how do I want to phrase it so it's not just all hot takes or all all cold takes? So that way it's, it's a little bit even. And originally when I wrote this question, I was like, yeah, it's it's definitely a hot take. The NL East, they, NL East teams barely did anything, and they, you know, they needed like this, the division is still wide open. Like no team made that like gung ho. We're the best team in the NL East. We're gonna go win it. Like no no team really did that. But looking more into it, I mean, first of all, for the Mets, the Mets pitching staff has been uh, the best among NL East contenders in terms of ERA, uh, worst in terms of OPS. They had a Javier Baez, who uh, if you were to insert him onto the team from the beginning of the year, he would be second best on the team in terms of OPS. They also added Rich Hill and Trevor Williams, who will eat innings on an already good pitching staff. So not bad. Phillies have the second best OPS, so one of the better offenses, but have the worst ERA in the NL East. Uh, they did add Kyle Gibson, who's having a career year, 286 ERA, and Ian Kennedy, who has blossomed as uh, a starter turned closer. Um so they address some big needs there. The Braves have the best OPS, the third best ERA uh, in the NL East. They do add Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates to bolster their bullpen. They really need a bad bullpen help. And they added four outfielders just this July. Most notable is re-adding Adam Duvall and his 23 home runs. So, like, nobody did anything flashy. And, I mean, I think the Braves had the worst of those three teams. But I think the Mets made, like... So a solid but conservative move. The Phillies made a solid yet conservative move. No one went out there and was like, yeah, we're going to trade the farm for, you know, insert pitcher's name here. Nobody did that. Uh, no, you know, nobody, you know, made you know a crazy big move. Um, but at the same time, um, I think that they all made solid moves that will help them. I still think the division is still wide open. Like, I don't know who's going to win it. I think it is going to be between the Mets and Phillies. I think the, the Braves are kind of fading away, and this trade deadline kind of shows that. They did these trades to appease the fans, and that's about it. But other than that, I mean, I think these it shouldn't be looked at as a disappointment because I think the deadline did uh, do uh, did do good things for both the Mets and Phillies. You know what? I am going to say this is a hot take because of the Washington Nationals hitting Bowing the, out, hitting the implode button. You know, this is a team not too far removed from a World Series win. This division at one point was looking like one of the best divisions in the NL, if not all of baseball with the Braves and the Nationals and the Phillies. I mean, yeah, you got the Marlins down there, but you almost forget the Marlins. Are in hey, Marlins division. won a playoff series last year. Let's not That's forget true. that. So I am going to say it's disappointing because Washington hitting the implode button and um, really nobody else making the moves to separate themselves from the pack. And mm -hmm. even that, like, okay, yeah, it's a tight race in the NL East, but no, none of them are really, in my mind, or looking at them on paper even, contenders for the NL. And, you know, when you're not that far removed from being one of the, the, the better divisions in the NL to now you're 
you can't even separate yourselves from your the teams in your own division. And usually you'd be like, oh, that's a great thing though. You know, it's a deep division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's deep, but not the kind of deep that you want it to be. There's, it's not, you know, none of them are gonna be taking down the NL West anytime soon. Um, so that's why I'm gonna say it's, it's a disappointment. I do like the moves though that the Mets made. I feel like they may have put themselves on a trajectory that can get them to the pennant, but I do not believe the NL East as a, as a whole got themselves any better. Yeah, I mean the Nationals hitting, you know, hitting the fire sale button. I think it stinks because they were still in it, and it would be cool to be talking about still a four, you know, horse race uh, for the NL East. Because if the Nationals decided like, hey, we're gonna be buyers, then I mean, you know, I think they would be in it. I think they had a, you know, would have a chance that they would have like, let's say they needed a third baseman, let's say they added Chris Bryant, you know, that would have been an insane move for them, and I think that would have put them back. But at the same time, I mean, their their roster is getting old. Um, they needed to make some sort of moves. Uh, you know, now granted they traded you know one of their young stars, Trey Turner. But <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I mean that and that alone, you know, might push it into a little bit of a disappointment range. But but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's disappointing from the standpoint of nobody made any moves to where you're like, oh wow, they're gonna contend. For but I mean it's the same on the uh, NL Central side too. I mean the Brewers didn't make it. If the Brewers, you know, were kind of rumored to potentially be going after Trevor Story, which would have been insane, but they didn't do that. Um, Did get Trevor Story? No, Trevor Story stayed with the Rockies. Um, but you know, because if one of, if they would have made that move, I mean that would have said, hey, we're we're in it to win it here, and and instead. I mean, the the Mets or and or Phillies will play the Brewers in the NLDS, and then you know the winner of that series will have whoever wins the NL West gauntlet of the NL Wild Card game between the Pirates or the, the Padres and uh, Giants, and then whoever wins that follow up series with the Dodgers. So, um, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to say the least. Uh, switching gears over to the NL Central. The Cubs core, meaning Rizzo, Baez, and Bryant, underachieved. Uh, for me, that's a cold take. I mean, they still won the club's first World Series in 108 years. Um, they did make three straight NLCS appearances. Um, or wait, no, yeah, okay, it was three straight. I keep getting confused because it was 15, 16, and 17 uh, that they made the NLCS. Um, you know, the you know, you look back at some of those years. I mean, first of all, the Royals and Astros were both rebuilt similarly, and all three only have one World Series win to show for their troubles. Now, of course, the Royals and Astros both made two World Series, but still came away with uh, with only one title. Um, I mean, you know, the Cubs win in 2016. Then in 2017, you have the Astros cheating scandal. Then in 2018, um, you know, you had a combination of not only was Boston a buzzsaw that season, but you also have the Cubs brutal into that, uh, you know, that season, that brutal schedule that caused them to be in the wild card game, which they eventually lost. Um, and then in 2020, I mean, there was nobody that was going to beat the Dodgers the team. Um, you know, so the only year that you could have said, yeah, maybe was the one year that the Cubs missed the playoffs, which was 2019. Um, but I mean, I still think overall, I mean, they still brought the Cubs the championship with no, which no team had done uh, since, you know, 1908. Um, and I think if you want to look, you know, it, I, I, I think if you want to look at who underachieved, you know, in the Cubs organization, I think you look towards the front office because I mean, 
you know, as much as I love Theo, um, there are some moves that you know are kind of head scratchers. I mean, the trade for Jose Quintana made sense at the time. That didn't pan out. I mean, you can't fault a GM. I mean, the GM's going to have some misses. Um, the one that kind of has, you know, me scratching my head the most was when they traded uh, Jamer Candelario and uh, Dylan Cease. It was it Dylan Cease? Who was it? It was one of their top pr- pitching prospects to the Tigers for Alex Avila who, and Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson, who struggled. Um, most of that season, um, you know, when he was traded to the Cubs and then Alex Avila, who I actually forgot was on the roster until the Cubs uh, ended up losing <laughs> in the NLCS. I think it was that year. So, I mean, and they, you know, failed to bring in any big time free agents. I mean, they did sign you Darvish, but you had like Nick Castellanos, who was traded there in 2019 and wanted to stay. The Cubs don't bring him back. You know, there were rumors that Bryce Harper expressed interest in signing with the Cubs. Now, I also understand that every team to win the World Series ever has won without Bryce Harper, but including the Nationals. Um, but, uh, you know, still, though, I mean, it was, it, I think the front office – and the Cubs organization as a whole has kind of shown their hand that they're not will they're going to try to be like the Rays in terms of hey we're going to have our superstars until they are ready to resign and ready to make big money and then we'll get rid of them um, and that's basically how it's happening um, so I think if you want to point fingers at somebody point your fingers at the front office I think overall I mean they still won the first World Series championship in 108 years and that counts for something yeah definitely this is definitely a cold take that core made Wrigley not just a destination for baseball fans, it made it a, a destination like to actually watch exciting baseball games again. And that was that was big because for a while you would just people would just go to Wrigley because it was Wrigley and they wanted to experience it. But you know, exciting baseball was brought back again. Um, but you are right. It all, if you're going to point fingers, point it to the front office. I mean, this is a team that plays in a major mark is considered a major market team and they act like they're a small market team and they, they really do have the financials to be able to be a major market team. I mean, they have their own network. Like, yes. Like for the Yankees. Like, I mean, exactly. It's, I don't know if they're making as much money. Oh, probably this. not. But like WGN, WGN is actually a uh, it's like here in Indy, we have, you know, WTHR, we have Fox 59. Yeah, that's like what WGN is up there. Um, but still, it's. Well, no, Marquee. Marquee is who they have now. They're not on WGN oh, anymore. Yeah, oh, okay. they I have their own. That, yeah, I remember when back in the old day when you thought it was great to have 98 channels on your cable and channel 98 <laughs> was WGN. And that's how you watched all the Cubs. Games. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I loved when they were on WGN because I actually got to see some, cause of course we're blacked out. And like some, most of the time they'd be on Comcast uh, sport Chicago, which means you couldn't get the games, but if they're on WGN. You could, which was always, so it was always yeah. nice when they were actually playing on WGN because you could actually oh, watch them. WGN was like part of like every basic cable package here in Indy. And I remember in fifth grade, my fifth grade teacher was a huge Cubs fan and it was during the home run race between Sosa and McGuire. So he would always turn on Cubs games every day. And since they were on WGN, you were able to watch them. It was great. Yeah. Watch baseball. That was our math assignments. Hey, I mean, there's a lot of math that goes into baseball, so it makes sense. Hey, you know what? Not, it definitely still educational. Um, (laughs) Final question here. 
Um, the Dodgers solidified, uh, or the Dodgers uh, solidified uh, themselves as World Series favorites. Obviously, hot take here. Uh, not too much to say. They're basically an NL All Star team, like I said earlier. Adding Trey Turner uh, strengthens an already fantastic offense. Scherzer uh, helps the rotation during the Kershaw injury. Um, and then once he comes back, I mean, it makes LA better equipped. It even makes LA better equipped if they go into the one game wild card. Like, let's say they still lose because they are three games back of the Giants. Let's say they end up not winning the NL West. I mean, now they have, hmm, let's see, who is going to start opposite Kevin Gossman? Um, we can go Max Scherzer, we can go Walker Bueller, or we can go Clayton Kershaw. So, I mean, I think they're still in pretty good shape. Now, I do think they are like, I always thought they're going to win the NL West, but like making that move, I think <laughs> officially like is like okay. I don't think the Giants are going to win the NL West anymore. Like any any belief that I had, they might win the NL West. Like I'm not saying the Giants are going to fall over and not do anything. Um, they're still going to be a tough team. I still think it's it'd be really fun to see like Giants Dodgers in the NLDS. I think that'd be a fun series. Um, but uh, but overall, I mean, I don't. I, I think this puts the Dodgers as you know kind of far and away, kind of what, you know, they obviously, the rightful place, they probably obviously should have been kind of like what I said with the White Sox. Like everybody's kind of been all in on the White Sox, but I've been kind of leery and I've been, you know, like, oh, I've been betting against the Dodgers pretty much since I picked them to win the World Series last year. And now I'm like, okay, maybe it needs to be the Dodgers time again. Yeah, I think this is definitely a hot take. I even said it earlier. Now let's just go ahead and hand them the trophy. It seems like, um, but yeah, they're, they're the favorites. They're the reigning champs. I mean, no matter what, they're they're the they're the favorites until they're not anymore, which means they're either been eliminated or they lost in the World Series, which they've been eliminated. So right. until they are eliminated, they are in my mind still the favorites. And they look like they look all like the favorites too. <laughs> they look <laughs> like it. They're they're playing 4D chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Yeah. Um, so um, you know, now let's go ahead and shift gears here before we uh, wrap up for the night. We're going to talk about the NBA uh, first. Starting off the NBA draft, we're going to talk some Pacers here. Uh, the Pacers, uh, you know, in the draft they end up getting uh, two picks from this year's draft. First at the th- with the thirteenth pick, um, they draft uh, Chris Duarte. Uh, who averaged 15 points a game, uh, 38% from beyond the arc in his career. Oregon, uh, 17 points per game, 42% from three-point range in 2021. His draft analysis says he's got solid size. He excels from the perimeter. He's an all-around good shooter. Um, he's, uh, he, he's got good defensive skills, especially disrupting passing lanes, which is really cool to see. Uh, the Pacers kind of did some maneuvering. You know, we talked about the possibility of them making trades, but instead of trading up, um, you know, in you know further up in the first round, that they, they acquired the pit, their pick from the Bucks and they used their pick from the Bucks. Um, and I think, oh, and they used Aaron Holiday, so they traded Aaron Holiday and the pick they acquired from the Bucks, the thirty-first pick, um, to the Lakers uh, for the Lakers pick, who was twenty. So there's even more. Well, yeah. So the pay, so Isaiah, I know had, they had they had picks fifty four and 60 and sixty. Yeah, in the second round, they traded the fifty fourth and sixtieth pick to the Bucks for thirty one. Then they took the thirty first pick from the Bucks and Aaron Holiday and jumped in on the Russell Westbrook trade and sent Aaron Holiday and thirty first pick to the Washington Wizards for. Isaiah Jackson, who was the 21st pick. Wait, so did Aaron Holiday so, then go to the Lakers? 
No, he's with the Wizards. Okay, so but all right. To make, for some reason, to make it all work out, it had to be part of the Russell Westbrook trade. So technically, that trade doesn't get finalized until I believe this Friday. So when you look at rosters and everything, Isaiah Jackson is not officially a member of the Pacers and has not officially been named to their summer league roster because the trade has not been finalized yet. Hmm, Even though they had an introductory press conference with him, (laughs) still technically not an Indiana Pacer because the trade has not been finalized. It cannot be finalized until Friday. Yeah. So very interesting there. So, um, you know, the Pacers uh, get Isaiah Jackson um, and our analysts rave about his defensive ability, um, especially around the rim. Um, and is, and is kind of, it's kind of viewed as a depth move. Um, now, as far as reaction, I mean, s- very satisfied with Duarte. It's kind of funny because when we did kind of a draft preview a few weeks ago or talked about the draft a few weeks ago, um, I, uh, I said Duarte should be who the, the Pacers get. Now, I'm not going to count him as it's the right pick for me because last week I picked Corey Kispert, um, getting a little bit closer to the draft, which, um, you know, looking at who we talked about last week, I mean, most of the guys that we did talk about, you know, Franz uh, Wagner um, and uh, I think one other player, who else was gone by the time, uh, uh, you know, there were the, a lot, some of the players we talked about were already off the board. So I think Duarte was good now. Kispert was still on the board, um, you know, but looking at it further, I mean, you know, Duarte, I think is more as a more comparable shooter and better defensively than Kispert. So I think you get a more all around package uh, with Duarte. So I do like that. Um, and then, you know, the acquisition of Jackson, like I said, is a depth move. Now, you know, some of the articles I read said that like Rick Carlisle likes to use different big men and likes to you know rotate them around. Um, so I don't know if that fully means the end of, you know, either Sabonis or Turner, likely Turner uh, in Indiana, but um, it kind of seems like it could be that. Um, so we'll kind of see what plays out there. But overall, I mean, you know, maybe not necessarily the draft night we expected. We, you know, said, hey, it could be, you know, a big night of fireworks that the Pacers kind of, you know, prove that they're in win-now win mode. They made some good moves uh, and overall had a couple of solid picks, I think. So I do like the pick of Chris Chris Duarte, he is older. He's 24 years old. So he's going to be somebody that's going to be kind of looked at to come in and compete immediately. And, but the thing is he started playing basketball later. So he may not, I mean, for his age, he may not have yet hit his ceiling, which is good. Um, One of the, and the thing that tells you that the Pacers made a really good pick in Chris Duarte is that even after they made the pick, Several other teams were calling them, trying to get them to trade him to them, like the Golden State Warriors. They were ready to offer up some some pretty big Steph players. Curry. Well, they, I mean, we're <laughs> they were like Andrew. Witt. They were at, at one point there was an. I know there was an offer out there for um, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, and Chris Duarte for Andrew Wiggins. Um. Wiseman, I can't remember his first name, Wiseman. And I think, I know part of it was even um, Draymond. Draymond was included in there and the Pacers turned that down because they do not want to give up. They don't want to give Duarte out. Now, I feel like they would have given Brogdon and Turner and anything else for that package but 
they're really high on Duarte and so are a lot of other teams. So that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Jackson is somebody that's kind of being looked at as, you know, he, yeah, he's not too good offensively. He's not a stretch player by any sense of the imagination, but he's super athletic. Think of a younger Dwight Howard type player. Um, this is a player that they're looking at more so as not being a, a, Giannis, a Giannis stopper, but more of a Giannis slower downer. Um, <laughs> Because he can defend out on the perimeter uh, very well. He's very athletic. He's gonna he's going to play above the rim, so he's gonna be one of those lob candidates when you you know big time lob dunks coming our way uh, with him. But the addition of him kind of leaves you scratching your head because he really is he's like a six ten forward center. He fits more at the center position. Um, he can defensively be a forward. But and he, somewhere, oh no, the, Chris, I think with him, they were saying he can guard the one through five, which is great. But when you look at his position, it adds another body to an already crowded room of centers. Yeah. So it makes you wonder, are, are any other moves going to be made? Apparently today, after some signings and free agency, Kevin Pritchard somehow, I haven't read this. I haven't seen it. I just saw, I just saw it on uh, somebody say that they, they, they saw it somewhere without mentioning where they saw it, but that Kevin Pritchard said the Pacers are done making moves. And it just doesn't make sense with the roster, how it's built up. So you're going to go into the season with Isaiah Jackson, Goga Batadze, Miles Turner, Domas Sabonis all four are centers that doesn't make any sense whatsoever so i'm going to be interested to see if there are any moves still coming i don't know it it makes you feel like turner or sabonis is going to be moved i don't know well that's yet to be seen i know there are teams out there that are really high on turner and Let's see if the Pacers are willing to make a move. I feel like they should, though. Yeah. You know? I mean, talking about some of the moves that have already been made, um, you know, because we were originally going to talk about what the Pacers should do, and they've already done some things we said they should do, uh, which is uh, re-sign TJ McConnell. He does agree to a four-year, $35 million uh, contract. Uh, the Pacers also get uh, Torrey Craig, a forward from the Suns, uh, lands for a two-year uh, $10 million contract. I'm honestly going to be, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know all of what Torrey Craig brings to the table, but another, you know, another solid piece there. And then uh, Doug McDermott ends up signing with the Spurs three years, 42 million, which that's almost double what he was making with the Pacers this past year. So, I mean, I think you're okay uh, letting him, uh, go out the door, which of course we talked about a little bit before we started recording that, you know, yes, we, we love what McDermott was able to do. He was solid, but he wasn't, you know, far and away, you know, he wasn't Kyle Corver. He wasn't, you know, out to see Duarte take his minutes. Yeah. So, um, Overall, so far, I mean, you know, it is confusing if the Pacers are indeed done making moves, uh, but those are some of the moves they made. And then it looks like so far they're doing kind of what we want to see them do, which, you know, mainly was get McConnell back and we'll just kind of see, you know, I've, I've seen some trade packages for Turner. None of them really 
got me excited as far as what jumps off the page. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think that is kind of the next uh, next domino to fall is is where Miles Turner is going to end up or where uh, Sabonis. But I'm kind of crossing my fingers, hoping it's Turner because I do want the the Pacers to continue to build around Sabonis. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I, I kind of figured Doug McDermott was not going to be back. It I don't know. I don't feel like he was. The Pacers were ever totally sold on him. Uh, T.J. McConnell, I I was just hoping and praying they brought him back. Mostly, I mean, one, yeah, now they need a they need a backup point guard with trading Aaron Holiday. Um, but T.J. McConnell brings so much more to the table than just a backup point guard. This is a guy that one, I think he at one point was leading the NBA in steals. I mean, it was ridiculous how many steals he was having for a while. Uh, but two, he's a coach's kid and he is like a coach on the floor. He's that type of player. He's just a high intensity, high energy guy, sound basketball player. He's not going to light up the stat sheet, but he's going to be that guy that's going to make the team better just by him being out on the court or being on the practice court with the team. So I, I think he was a must resign and there were a lot of other teams that were interested in signing him. So you can tell what kind of, um, you know, he's that type of player that a lot of teams want because he's a, a great locker room guy, a great practice court guy, and then knows how to really help the team become, get themselves in better positions on the, on the court during games. Um, so I was really glad to see him back. Uh, just, briefly looking into the Tory Craig thing, because I, I just found out about it before we went on air, is apparently from the Suns community, they, they said, you guys are going to love this guy. He is fun to watch. Um, they all thought he was going to be looking for about a two-year 14 million. So the Pacers ended up actually getting him cheaper than originally everybody thought of where he would sign. So that, that's good news for the Pacers they landed somebody cheaper than they probably deserve to be um so that's exciting but I really do hope the Pacers are not done making moves just because looking at the roster makeup yeah I mean obviously Isaiah Jackson may not be a a candidate to be on the active roster he may be more of a two potential two-way guy he spent some time with the G League I, I don't know because his athleticism, you can't teach that. And he's, you know, so we'll see there, but potentially walking into the season with essentially four centers. I mean, that's, that's not, that's, that's like walking into the season saying we have six quarterbacks on our roster and we are okay with that. Like, I mean, it might be something the Colts <laughs> end up having to do and we've come full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, honestly, I don't think the Pacers are done making moves. I think they're going to kind of let these bigger chips fall when yeah. and they are quickly, which is good. And now you're going to start seeing some sign-in trades happen. I think that's ultimately where the Pacers are going to make some big moves here. Are the sign-in trades? Um, we'll see. So I don't know. Hey, you so know, you they were one of them that they were in on with Lonzo Ball potentially. He signed and traded to the Chicago Bulls. So. That one's out of the picture. The Hornets went out and drafted some players and they signed a Plumley, So they're not in the, the mix for a center anymore. So there goes potentially getting either Gordon Hayward or uh, PJ Washington. 
So the, the, the options are closing. Unless the Pacers can somehow convince the um, Golden State Warriors to in, include um, Moody and and or Wiseman, which still doesn't make sense. We're going to trade a center for another center. Right. So I don't know. It'll be interesting hey, to see how this rest of this offseason unfolds. As far as Torrey Craig goes, I will say this. Uh, the fact that, hey, the last time we got a player that we had never heard of from the Phoenix Suns, I mean, it turned out pretty well. That was P- that was TJ Warren. So, um, I mean, could where, be. Where did he play in college? I don't know. I'm going to look real quick because I well, think so familiar. Torrey Craig? Yeah. I mean, the last name is pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. Last name is good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, while you're looking that up, uh, that will do it uh, for uh, tonight's episode of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out, tuning in, everybody in chat, Dusty, uh, Rage, uh, uh, Pizzer, um, uh, Carters, everybody for hanging out tonight. Um, you're contributing in the chat. We all appreciate you. Uh, remember that you can follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. Uh, you can go subscribe to our YouTube channel, 3C Media on YouTube. That's where you can not only catch this podcast every week, but you can also check out the MCT Podcast, our YouTube exclusive podcast that comes out every weekend. Um, those guys have been killing it, so make sure you go over there, give them some love. Um, you could also uh, catch us live every week, twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. Um, we're switching things up as far as the uh, where we stream live every week. Um, so that's where we are. And then remember, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course Podcast. Where did Tori Craig go to college, please, Scott? USC Upstate. <laughs> oh, so you don't know him from college because that's definitely not anywhere. sounded familiar. I don't know why. I, I mean, may, maybe are you thinking like Tori Smith? My mom. I'm probably. I'm turning into uh. my mom or whoever, <laughs> every person she sees out in public. That person looks so familiar. Where do I know them from? Know <laughs> you've them. You, no, you've never, never met them before in your entire life. See, my mom is the polar opposite because my dad and I always joke she should run for mayor uh, because literally it doesn't matter where she goes. She always sees somebody that she does know and she ends up talking to them uh, for, you know, she just works the crowd. I mean, if she were a baseball player, she'd be a first baseman because she just would just talk their ear off. Everybody who comes down that first baseline just, you know, uh, who was it? The Sean Casey that they used to call the mayor for the Reds. That's my mom because he just talks everybody's ear off um but yeah that'll do it for this week's edition of the podcast b scott where can they find you you can find me on twitter at brandon underscore scott 87 well um that will do it for the podcast thank you guys all for hanging out we will talk uh, i think a little bit more colts next week kind of get back into the swing of things there we're going to talk um you know not really sure what the main topics will be but i know we will touch on the colts uh and get into some more topics as well so we look forward to bringing that to you but until then have a good week everybody